So, the opening panel, uh, we'll run the discussion as a kind of discussion. We're not going to do speeches. Um, James Cridland wrote five things not to do when you're running a radio conference, which we looked at very carefully. James Cridland is a futurologist, radio futurologist, who's been here twice. Uh, and one of the things is go, go soft on the suits doing panels. So <laughs> we're going to do a, a discussion. Um, can I invite the panelists to come up? Firstly, Daryl Ilbury. Um, do you want to come up and take a seat? Uh, Daryl Ilbury's been in broadcasting for, I think, over 25 years in all sorts of spaces. He was with the SABC once um, in its uh, KZN uh, manifestation. What is unusual about Daryl is that he has a degree in clinical psychology um, and a degree also in science journalism. Uh, so um, that gives him a particular perspective on how people use radio, which I think is, really, is going to be really interesting. Um, he writes a blog, The Edge, which you should look at, and he works a lot with, on, with, uh, with talent in a sort of advisory way. So welcome, Daryl. Thank you. Um, secondly, Helen Bowden, who is director of BBC Radio, uh, one of the big elephants in the world, I think, in our sphere. In the uh, nicest possible way. In the nicest possible way. Um, Helen has been with the BBC for a really long time. Apparently started her career on campus radio I in Leicester. No, Sussex. Sussex? Brighton. Um, so um, Helen's obviously come from from the UK, and, 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 uh, and we're very glad that she's able to join us um, for this. Um, I think that the years of experience with, with, with radio, and particularly radio journalism, I think will really be great to have. Um, I'm very glad to welcome Luba Ramacholo, who is General Manager of PCS Radio at the SABC. Did you not get a, a head mic? Um, uh, as, as, as general manager of PCS Radio, he oversees the commercial, public commercial radio stations, which is a, an odd little particular beast that the SABC has invented um, to, to differentiate the purely public radio stations from the, as they say, the public commercial, the metros, the fives of the world. So welcome, Luba. Um, and finally, I'd like to welcome Tabisile Mbete, um, who is the newly appointed station manager of 702. Uh, she formerly <laughs> produced the morning show uh, with John Robbie and has most recently been group content editor, which I assume means across different platforms, right? Oh, that's okay. um, which I think is one of the things that we're going to be talking about, is how radio moves into different platforms. So let's just start by giving the panelists a round of applause. <laughs> is, is there something about the way in which human beings relate to what is on radio that will ensure that it continues in a, perhaps even if it's in a different form? Very much so. If you, if you think that one of the key components to radio is the fact that it uses uh, the capacity to take the human voice and connect with uh, numerous uh, consumers of that content, you realize all you're doing is you're tapping to something that has existed for millions of years, and that is the, the social desire to interact with other people. Um, and I was nodding very much with what Helen was saying about how um, Apple have realized that, that the Beats radio need to bring in more of a human component to it, because it's that human component of interaction is going to save radio rather than basically pumping out uh, music. And I think if there is something which is going to save 
radio, when, when I talk about radio, think about the traditional notion of radio, uh, if you're talking about uh, terrestrial radio, for example, especially in, in Africa, what is going to save it is going to be a fundamental shift in programming away from basic music formatting to more uh, content that involves human interaction. And that is, I think, what is going to save radio. Tabasile, how does a station like 702 plan for this kind of future? I mean, I remember, I think it was last year, we had um, somebody from 702 talking about the way in which the station dealt with the Pistorius trial, really very much on, a multi multiple, on multiple platforms, right? Is 702 still a radio station, or is it simply a media company that was once mainly in radio? I think you've put it very succinctly there. Can we? You just need to pick it. Let me do my old job. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. So I think you've summed it up very nicely there, Franz. In the end, we're a radio station. In the end, we're a radio station, but it's got many extensions. It's got, it's got many legs. Um, the mic's not working. So we need to use one or the other. In the end, France, what we're talking about is radio, 702 is a radio station, but it's got many legs. You can never say we're just broadcasting to the radio listener. We're broadcasting content to all sorts of audiences. We're broadcasting content on Twitter, we're online, we're everywhere. Because in the end, ultimately, and this is the point that Daryl, both Daryl and, and Helen made, in the end, what people are looking for is some sense of connection with the person who's on the other side. It's some sense of intimacy. It's that thing that radio has always provided over the years, which is you tune in, you have a sense of what's going on in the world. And that's what our audiences are telling us, that they're looking for information, they want to understand what's going on in their world, they're looking for the presenter to kind of help them shape their own ideas. And if we are unable to go and look for those audiences, particularly in the newer uh, offerings, then we're failing in what we should be doing. But isn't there a problem then if, if young people are not actually relating to, to the device itself? But young people are saying to us, connect with us in the way that we understand best. And so where, do, how do, and where is that? So, where so for instance, if you're looking at our lineup right now, we have a program on night, at night called Night Talk. It's young people. And there are two presenters there. One of them, Cesar Lomo, who ordinarily you would never have associated with 702. He's a DJ for all intents and purposes. He was never quite a talk show host. But we brought him on. And part of what he's helping us understand is how do we program content for young people. So whether it's on the radio, whether it's, it's through Facebook and through all of that. The other day, Golani went to um, Tswane after the Mamelodi unrest, and we couldn't quite go in on the ground during the day. But what we did is we sent him on a chopper, he went, he flew around, and he came back. We put a quick video on Facebook just to say this is what he saw. Within hours, that basically that Facebook video had gone through more than 15,000 people. That's it. We're learning as we go along. The big point here is agility. The point here is understanding that the new things you have to learn every day. And if you're not attuned to the fact that they're new things, that's it. You, you, you shouldn't be in it. Are these the kind of techniques you're finding work for the BBC? Yeah, I mean, there's a basic thing you have to understand about all media, which is that the audience can sack you, but you can't sack the audience. 
when I used to run Radio 4, and um, program makers used to say, but they didn't like my program, and I'd say, well, I'm sorry, you can't sack them. You have to live with that and learn from it. And the thing about the young, is, particularly in the digital age, is that um, they're very fashion-driven, and they move very swiftly from one thing to the other. So you have to place lots of bets on lots of different ways of connecting to them. Um, but what we, I mean, I'll talk about this later in my boring old man speech, but um, I will be talking about how you can connect them and keep them connected to audio, but you can't do that exclusively. They don't understand, in the UK at least, the idea of radio as just audio. They simply assume you will have, obviously, social media, but also uh, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, the whole range and conglomerate. Our challenge always is keeping up with where they're going next. And they don't assume that a radio is a thing, a box that sits in a corner. Radio is audio that moves with you, which is why mobile phones in an affluent world are so important. That it's obviously a hugely different challenge here. Well, I mean, mobile phones are huge here also. I mean, Lubo, you're finding people are accessing um, uh, output from, from SABC radio stations on mobile phones, either via FM or, or, or in what sort of way? Yes, um, research shows that um, we've got uh, plenty of people who are accessing our radio stations via uh, mobile. But one thing that we need to try and address is how do we strike the balance? Um, we need to try, as, as South Africa, um, to, to try and make sure that we don't leave our listeners behind or we don't allow our listeners to move far ahead of us. A critical challenge that we're facing as a, as a country is that of the rollout of broadband. Because in cities and in towns, it is, it is a normal um, uh, phenomenon. Uh, people who stay in towns, uh, you know, uh, accessing Wi-Fi, some have unkept Wi-Fi, some have um, uh, what you call them, uh, fiber. But when it comes to people who are in the rural villages, who happen to be, you know, in the majority, they, all, they are still far behind when it comes to accessing data and other things. So how do you then um, craft your programs in such a way that you strike the balance, you are relevant, and you don't, you, you, you accommodate all in one in the, in the, in the, in the process. Mm. But because we talk in the future, we also must be able to prepare ourselves to be ready so that um, as, as we develop as a country, even um, those people who are in the rural places are also exposed to these um, realities of, of today. And we find this to be an opportunity for us because then um, it is through the power of our radio stations that we communicate these um, empowering messages that say to them, um, go and be economically uh, emancipated, go and, um, uh, you know, we expose them to job opportunities, and with these job opportunities, they then get empowered, and in the process they uh, have um, the buying power, and then they are able to buy data, and they can connect you know, so we we are um, a critical nerve in the in the process. Um, but so we believe that um, uh, the future has to be defined by 
us as radio stations, but as we define this future, we must also be able to analyze and know the realities that our listeners are facing. By the way, I do invite you also to respond to each other if, if, um, if there's a point that you want to pick up on so that we can create a real discussion. And I will periodically look out there to see whether there's contributions from anywhere else. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who, when they get a cell phone, are still looking for an FM receiver in it. I would be... All right. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But they're very important. They just well don't switch them on. The yes. Well, I mean, I think that there is a degree of FM listening on phones. Certainly on campus we find that. I mean, that's been the exper experience at Voice of Vits to some extent, that you see people walking around and they're listening. I mean, you talk about broadband, right? I mean, we're here in Bramfontein, or well, we're on the edge of Bramfontein, I guess, and there's free Wi-Fi. I would be really interested to know if there's anybody who has an impression of whether that has had any impact on use of streaming services. You know, because theoretically, I don't know how good the broadband is, quite frankly, but theoretically you should be able to then listen on a streaming, uh, you know, with, with free data. I mean, if anybody has any new views or information on that, I'd be really interested to know. Because you're talking about the rollout of, of free broadband, aren't you? It's not going to get to the villages very fast, but here in Bramfontein, past of Chuana, it's there. Yes, theoretically it's supposed to... Uh, be that, but then that's where we come in, like I indicated, it is us who must then educate our listeners and say to them, did you know that you have this opportunity? Um, uh, and as we're talking about interactivity, that says uh, we don't only expect them to listen to us, to listen to the FM um, transmission. When we say to them, like when we run competitions and we say, send us a tweet, um, did you know that you don't have to then ask yourself whether you have data or not? Um, you are in this vicinity where there are these hot, hot spots. Um, why don't you take advantage of the situation and participate? Just on the streaming point, I mean, for us who are a regional radio station in terms of coverage, if we are not streaming, particularly the big debates and big conversations we're having. Like we did a transformation debate a couple of weeks ago with the Minister of Sport following his comments about, you know, how he was going to ban certain sporting codes from participating in international events. It was a major, major thing for us. And we felt it does not just belong on the radio. It's gotta it's gotta go beyond just the, the wireless as it were. It's gotta go through it's gotta be on Facebook. It's got to be on, on streaming. It's got to be everywhere because it's a big conversation and we can't just limit out our audiences like that. So it becomes very useful for us who are a regional station to say we can actually have conversations beyond just who we are, beyond just our own physical and geographical limitations, and we can have almost national conversations. And I think that's part of how just 702 itself has grown, because while we're a regional radio station, I think our reach and influence goes beyond just that. And, and, and I think on, online options allow us to do a little bit more of that even more. Which is really interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, a, 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 an organization like the BBC has always been a global organization. But this actually did create a different kind of audience for you, for a regional radio station, Absolutely it? Absolutely does. And, I mean, it, it, what it also creates for us is suddenly we can no longer look at ourselves as a, as a regional radio station. We have to understand that people are consuming the content from wherever they are. It gives us that level of agility and level of, of mobility. It also says, if you, if, if, if you just thought... Because part of how we're programming is we're programming for our listeners here. So we're thinking, give people traffic reports about what's going on on the corner of um, something, something. But with the bigger national conversations, you can't limit it. Darryl? I think 
Yeah, I think what's important is, is, is context. And if you have a look at, and I think Hannah can correct me if I'm wrong, but next year Norway is going to switch off its FM transmitters. That's completely right. So it, that is very much a wake-up call. I think one of the ways in which Africa is, is lucky is that we can see what's happening in the rest of the world and we can adapt. We have time to adapt. And if you think that a human or a fundamental component to human nature is the, is the desire to improve our condition and technology allows us to do that, I think radio stations need to realize that they, they can't rely on an FM uh, broadcasting through standard terrestrial FM uh, uh, means in order to reach an audience. They have to now start implementing the various programming decisions in order to get content out through technology because we know that people are going to uptake on the technology. But more importantly, they need to make sure that they have the correct uh, talent who can actually do that over different uh, forms of, of techno, different platforms, and, and not to segregate their offering into, we have certain people who do this, certain people who do that, but to have people who can create content across various uh, platforms. So when that uptake does start kicking into gear, we're ready to kick in straight away. Helen? The interesting thing about Norway is it's one of the richest countries in the world, and it's only got four million people. So that makes switching off FM much easier for them and actually they are struggling with implementation they're actually doing it slightly too fast there are lots of problems Mo a lot of cars still don't have DAB radios and the point is although people will do it online they will listen online the core infrastructure is still free to air DAB because actually online in most countries even the most advanced is very ropey as we call it once you get outside of cities so it's great but it's usually, um, I mean, in Wales, for example, um, the Principality of Wales in the UK, you can virtually not get anything online outside of their cities. The rural areas of the UK, believe it or not, have as many problems, probably, as, as countries that have a far lower GDP. Um, so DAB and DAB Plus are what Europe is seeing as the way forward for free-to-air. Mm. But your broad point about you've got to recognise that you've got to have content that will work across different platforms is completely well made. And that's, I suspect, increasingly being true for lots of audiences, not just the young. Mm. Two, two things very quickly um, on broadband is that we are disseminating content that assists people to make decisions on a daily basis. And one of the things that young people like doing is to compile their own playlists and they don't like memorizing things. Um, so if for one reason or another they are listening to our radio stations through FM transmission, um, there are times when we say to them, Shazam this advert. Um, recently there was a Boston advert that was running where we encouraged them to, to Shazam it and you know, make good use, good use of it later. And those who would like to compile their own playlist, music uh, playlists, or those who want to buy music online. They listen to our radio stations and they want to buy it there and then. So um, in an event, they don't have um, you know, Wi-Fi, they don't have data. That's why I'm saying broadband becomes then critical. Mm. So what's clearly emerging from what you're saying is that audio streaming via broadband or whatever isn't actually going to be the future. The, 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 it, ca it, can't, it can't carry the whole FM uh, audience. Um, it's just, it just, they're just, even in places like, in, even in wealthy countries, it's just not there. 
what one is looking towards as a platform is DAB. And I suppose in South Africa, one of the difficulties that we have is that we're way behind on that. Late in the conference, there will be an opportunity to, to hear a little bit more about that progress. Um, but I want to then move, in a sense, off what Daryl has been saying into this area of genres. Um, I mean, content is king, we always hear that, and it's certainly true across all these different platforms and in, in this changing environment. I mean, Daryl, you've written on your blog that South African radio is just really boring. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you want me to... to yes. It, it's I no, want I'm you to. In, uh, we want you to. Okay, it's... it's in, in 2011, I was one of the, the judges for the South African Radio Awards. And I, I, was, I was allocated the so-called um, flagship shows of the breakfast shows, the drive shows, the overall shows, um, like the, the top radio show, and also best producers. And what I listened to was absolutely horrifying. It was, it was the same stuff, the same imaging, the same content. There was no individuality whatsoever. And these were the supposedly top shows in commercial radio. The only shining light was, um, uh, it was an afternoon drive show on Radio Islam. And it's a children's program called The Butterfly Club. And the content was all about why it is that sometimes mommy and daddy are angry with you, but it's got nothing to do with you. They're angry with themselves, what have you. It was real content. It was refreshing. It wasn't packed with all sorts of frustrated imaging, what have you. It was clear, it was concise, and it connected with me. Um, I wasn't a traditional listener, but it connected with me on a human level. And it boils down to exactly what we were saying. And if you, like for example, I was listening to, to radio station this past weekend, and their big, I'm not going to mention the radio station, um, and their big push was the fact that, and now another 25-minute music sweep. I said, what the hell is this, 1996? And I'm sorry, if, if your primary sort of differentiation is that you can present a 25-minute music sweep, I mean, so you do not deserve to have an FM frequency. If I want a 25-minute music sweep, I will go to Woolworths, and I'll listen to it while I buy my chicken. But I do not want to listen to it on a radio station. Or if you're going to give me a 25-minute music, music sweep, give me a reason as to why those songs were selected. Give me a reason to connect with that content. And I just think radio outside of... I hear some funny... I, the community radio stations in this country have got some incredible content. And for me, the future of radio in this country lies in the community radio stations and it lies in the uh, campus radio stations. It's clearly a, 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 a popular kind of line to take <laughs> in, in this context. So why is it so boring, Luba? I, I can see a hashtag, by the way. No more chicken-buying radio. <laughs> Luba, why is it so boring? Qu quite, quite interesting. And um, I suppose that Darren was not uh, part of the target market of, that, uh, very, uh, of the few radio stations that he listened to when he was... He was a judge um, because I want to challenge him and ask him whether he was, um, he gave himself a, a, an opportunity to listen to Mungana Loneno, for instance, that is um, in Polugwane, that is broadcasting in Shitsonga. That, um, that, 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 of course, is relevant to the Shitsonga speaking and understanding people. But coming to music sweeps, I want to tell you that one of the popular features that we're driving on 5FM is the Altimix. 
and young people are saying to us they want these uh, mixes. And when we were introducing the 90% um, South African music, um, that is going to be discussed later on. I know that um, the station manager of 5FM is here. I am not going to dwell on that because she's going to deliver that uh, presentation. And he's your boss. But, but, come again? And he's your boss. No, no, the station... Oh, oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> there are two different sessions on this. Yeah. Yeah, so, when we're introducing this new um, uh, offering, one of the critical things that we got from Cape Town, from Good Hope FM listeners, was that, please don't touch our mixes. So, um, I think the question of whether it's boring or not, um, it only depends on which side of the, which side of the, of the equation you are. So, Tabsila, of course, you don't have that problem, right? Unless, I suppose, on the weekends you run uh, lots of music, but you don't have the issue of long mixes, usually. Not, not, not quite. In fact, music is an interesting thing for us because we're trying to freshen up the music um, offering on the weekends. And part of it is also just trying to connect the weekend listeners back to, you know, weekday listening. I think the point that Daryl makes about radio being boring is an interesting one. For me, there's a, there's a way in which our specific format, the talk format, allows us a little bit more flexibility. F for me, I mean, part of the question that Professor Coupe was raising earlier on was research. What kind of research do we use? Not just for the advertisers, but in terms of the programming decisions we make. I sit in focus groups all the time, and we ask listeners, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong? And most of the time, they're kind of giving you back what you've been doing for the last couple of days, word for word. They're listening, they're analyzing what we're doing, they're telling us, this happened on such and such a show, this happened on such and such a show. And we do take that feedback back to how we're, we're, we're making programming decisions. So I think, for me, I think a lot of people who are running radio stations are probably doing what they're doing based on what their listeners are telling them. And I don't think we get everything right all the time, but I think for, for, me, for us personally, I know we focus a lot on what the focus groups are telling us because those are our listeners. And they keep telling us, for instance, you know, that things like traffic and information is very important for them. Now, you might think, geez, who cares about traffic and, 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 and news? But for them, it's actually quite critical because that informs what they, how they get to where they're going at work, to work in the morning and in the afternoons. And one of the interesting things about 702 is that it, in the very early days, it was a music station. And then for various complicated technical reasons, it turned into talk. And of course, it's owned that talk space, but it hasn't really changed since then much in terms of overall format. I mean, let me ask you this, uh, and uh, I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of fine-grained changes that are made from time to time, but isn't 702 really just the northern suburbs talking to itself? That's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting question you ask, Franz. Um, so fortunately, I've worked a lot as a producer, so I've dealt you know, a lot with our listeners on the other side. Most of the calls we get from listeners are actually coming from different areas. So you'll get a call, and, and this is part of how 702 has kind of evolved. We've become that station that people go to when they have problems. And the truth here in South Africa is that most areas which have problems are in the townships, in the outside uh, suburban areas. They call us and they say to us, we have a problem with this councillor, we have a problem with such and such an organization or this government department. They come to us looking for help. And we put those calls to air we get them the help they want. I think a couple of years ago, a lot of those calls were pretty much Sharon from Oaklands and potholes and this. And I think that has been part of the narrative. But I also think the truth is, 
that kind of listener has, ev has evolved. We have actually gone out of our way also to make sure that we represent a little bit more of who we are than just Sharon from Oakland and the potholes. I mean, the arrival of power has really kind of moved into your space. Has it changed 702? So if, you, if you're managing a radio station and a competitor arrives and you, your answer to that kind of question is it hasn't changed, then you're in serious trouble. I think it's made us a lot more aware of the kind of offering we, gives on, we give on air. It's made us a little bit more conscious, and I think the things that we may have taken for granted, because for the longest time we were the only people operating in that space. And also there were a lot of staff who left to go to Power FM. So where, even if you did not want to take it seriously, you actually had no choice but to take it seriously. And I think what Given's doing is actually commendable. I think he does great work. Um, and I know him personally. So I, I think for me, Power has helped us grow in many ways. It's helped us sharpen what we do a little bit more. And it is making us think you know, in, in creative ways about how we do what we do. I'd like to ask each of you, before we move into the, the, uh, the area of public broadcasting, to give us an example of the best and most interesting new radio that you hear. Let's start with Daryl, because he was making a noise about boring radio. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to spin your, your, your question it's slightly. Um, I think it's not so much new as revisiting new. Um, I'm a big fan of, and I think it's going to come as a surprise to Lou, I'm a big fan of, of, of NPR because it knows how to, it's very, it's very voice-based, uh, speech-based. Um, and I have discovered uh, NPR, rediscovered NPR through its app. Mm -hmm. So what it's done is it's reinvented itself by actually producing um, an opportunity for me to access their content through non-traditional means. And what it means is that that kind of radio, which is always kind of shunned upon um, by, by commercial radio in, in the United States, is suddenly finding its voice again, if you excuse the pun. And I think uh, SABC radio stations are perfectly positioned to capitalize on that by actually saying, okay, revisit us through a different way. So okay, I but think that's not a genre. I'm asking for actual shapes actual content if you talk about actual content i'm i would say f aside from the butterfly club i would say full service if i was going to put it something if, if i'm looking for a genre that's actually going to mm -hmm. to really s s step up and actually take its rightful place in radio i think it's the full service okay helen what's the most interesting new radio that you hear um six music which is six music which is a radio station a digital station that we invented to get people to come to digital. And what um, makes it good and new and uh, interesting? It's got, it's, it's, it's every, you see, new, good, new and interesting also needs to reside in habitual and much loved. Mm. So it has brilliantly, highly informed presenters, some of whom are former musicians, really know their stuff. It has passion and it has an incredibly broad range, a lot of indie music in there. So even though some of the music may not be my taste, I actually find it incredibly fresh. It's now the most successful digital station in, U in the UK. Okay. Luba, I'm hoping you'll tell us about Mungana Lonene. Look, all the radio stations Innovative. that we are managing uh, are quite interesting. And I don't want to dwell on them. But you I won't want to tell, the, want tell them that you're favoring one child over the other. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I must confess that, you know, when Gareth Cliff came to uh, the party, 
when he introduced his uh, Cliff Central. And he decided to break all the rules. He put in something uh, interesting on the table, something that's worth interrogating. Well, that's the surprise of the day, that the SABC representative is praising Cliff Central. Very nice. Thank you, Luba. Have you seen an example, just an example of something really new and interesting? I'm actually struggling to find something completely new because I'm such an old soul. I think there's something to be said about what Umshobo Wenene does on a Thursday morning. Um, it's actually a religious program. Mm. Um, and I've kind of been thinking about how a program that's run in Isikosa could actually and as old as it is, how one could reinvent something like that and, and kind of in, invent it into a newer way of doing things. So I, I don't have anything completely new, but I've been playing around that in my mind about how, do we ref how could you refresh something like that as a programming head. Okay, thanks very much. So let's talk a little bit about... Okay. Hello. I'm Some questions. <laughs> I haven't looked. All right. Uh, I don't, don't want to run out of time, but let's have two. Yeah, one. Tremendous input. You, you always have the argument of who's who's the king. Is it the music? Uh, is it the music or is it the job? And the answer is it's both. And he proves that by the kind of life that he gives to the music and the information that he gives. Nick Michaels, the DJ. Where do we find him? Internet. Okay. Yeah. You've just touched the Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, are we, what are we doing wrong? Or are we doing something right that they're going to our, our Facebook and our, our podcast? Or, or should, we, should we be looking at, at, at streaming as the alternative? Or, or no, you should be measuring that as part of your output. Because you can't make people do what they don't want to do. And none of us have quite found the way to incentivize them to come back to audio from those places. But the other thing that's difficult, and this is across the world, we don't actually know how to measure the consumption on things like Facebook, because Facebook keep their data extremely private. And that's going to be a continuing problem for all, as it were, you know, all of those outside of Google, Facebook, YouTube, and the rest. The measurement you need to know how well you're going to do is going to be held by other people. It's a big challenge for us, and actually it will be a big challenge for all of you. You know, however, however minnow-ish you are, it's going to be a challenge. And just to, to comment on something that you said earlier, um, in terms of Wi-Fi versus data, um, we've got an app that is doing very well amongst our listeners, and 96% of the people connecting on our app will only connect when there's Wi-Fi on. Of course. It's too expensive yeah, otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was meaning, France, by mm -hmm. the, the mobile being so expensive. I mean, that's, you know, bill shock, as we call it, is a very big deal everywhere, particularly if you're young. Mm -hmm. And if you stream on IP, it's horrendously expensive. Yeah, absolutely. I think just, just, just to pick up on what Michael was saying, I think you've, you've actually hit the nail on the head. I think 
in, in terms of radio, what we need to do is we need to take our traditional idea of radio as mass communication, and we need to shelve it. We need to say now, one of the things about technology is it's allowing hyper-localization of everything, especially within the media. When it comes to, I, you know, I, I'm a journalist, so to writing for a newspaper, I know that in a couple of years, newspapers are basically going to be history. So what you do is you embrace technology to hyper-localize the output of your content so people can use it across different ways. And I think you're doing it perfectly. Yeah? But that's because your radio is so boring on air. With, that's because your radio is so boring on air. My God, if you want anything of any substance, you have to go to a podcast. Our output is still consumed 99% live. So it, it, it's really interesting. It will shift a bit, but it won't go your direction. You can travel for 500 miles in the States and hear the same music kind of station, that whole 500 miles. It's dire. So people, of course, adore podcasts. Because it gives them a change. Right. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, what I, the point that I was going to make. Sorry. I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 was that one of the questions was, what's radio going to look like in 10 years, 10, 15 years from now? And if, you're, if the American model is a model which other countries might emulate, and that does happen very often, let's be honest, the media happens there first and then it moves elsewhere, uh, then podcasting is actually going to be, if not the future, a it's a future. How big is podcasting going to be in, in the overall scheme of things? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I take the point about podcasts. I think when we all first heard about podcasts, we were saying, geez, in what world? I mean, it's going to take another 10 years or so before it gets here. And suddenly it's here. And I think Daryl and I earlier on were talking about how slow the uptake has been um, in the local industry in terms of podcasts. But I think all of us are now waking up to it. And we're also trying to find, I think for us as a commercial station, we're trying to find ways to, to actually use the podcast, to use the podcast as well for commercial purposes. Because some of the content that the so much content that we're putting out on the radio every day there's also so much content that we're unable to put so some of it goes to podcasts but also for clients when they're looking for, th for for certain things to be done which we're unable to do on the radio we can also use podcasts as well and i think so far it's working really well there's a series we launched about a couple of months ago about six months or so ago called face to face to success it was i think probably one of the first real you know, ideas we took to air and kind of pushed and, 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 and promoted on air. It's done so well that it's now sponsored and we're kind of trying to find ways of replicating it. I mean, one of the features of the American landscape is that podcasting has become a commercial proposition. Exactly. Um, which is, I don't know, is that the case in Britain no, at this point? No, I mean, um, Apple tell us that BBC podcasts are the most consumed across the world, but of course they won't give us any proper information to my mm. previous point. Mm. Um, but it's not a commercial proposition at this point, and it won't be in the UK. It might become so outside of the UK. Um, it just depends on whether we decide to have it as a gift to the world, like a lot of what we've done, or actually that we need to make some money from it. I mean, I think it's incredibly important, and it will become... Um, an important part of the landscape. But I think it's incredibly important not to extrapolate. I, I consume a huge amount of my radio via podcast. I'm very atypical in the UK. 
most radio is still consumed live. And I think we'll have a very mixed economy, actually. I think, I think a, a key thing which, which we haven't really touched on at this particular stage is that um, one, of the, one of the fundamental components of human nature is our willingness to share and our desire yes. to share. And one of the advantages about podcasting is that you can share it. I hear something that's absolutely exactly. amazing. I can, I can share it with someone. I can't do that with content that's actually coming at me via something that sits in my car or something that sits on a, on a box in my, in my kitchen. And I think that is one of the things that is being missed by radio in this country is the, is the need to package p things or package audio content that people can share. And that's a key component to human behavior. What, one of the interesting things um, that podcast, podcast is um, actually putting on the table is the fact that people like to listen to what they adore more than once. Um, mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have to... Uh, it's not only saving those who were unable to listen to the show when it was uh, delivered um, at that particular time. So you can revisit it and listen to it at your own leisure. And of course, that presents an opportunity for us to commercialize this, as, uh, as, as, as you said earlier on. Thanks. I mean, the step that I don't think we've seen much of here is the step from taking on-air content and putting it online and calling it a podcast, which it is, um, and actually producing for podcast, which creates a whole new ballgame because there's a whole new set of people and institutions and organizations who then produce specifically for that. I mean, are you seeing much uptake of your um, podcast on, on, I think it's on Iona? Yes. Um, yes, I wanted to talk about Iona. Um, option to say that uh, we are seeing a lot of um, our listeners responding to that and uh, um, we, even those stations that are not necessarily using IONO, we see a lot of um, listeners you know, using the available options that we have on our website where you click and you are able to, to, pod, to podcast. Thanks. There was a hand there and then at the back. Yeah, Martha? Would you put money into podcasts? I, I think you have no alternative to, to answer your question. Uh, to, to, to answer that particular question, I think the, 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 the key to that is actually making sure you have the right talent to have the capacity to understand human nature. And I'll find out if I'll be talking a little bit later on to the quick plug. But there are ways in which you can actually do that. So you're not creating necessarily new content, but you are aggregating content. And I think that is what uh, radio stations should be doing more. They should be aggregating content rather than actually either falling back on music, which is very lazy broadcasting as far as I'm concerned, or continue trying to find something new. There are 
fundamentals to human behavior that make you able to aggregate content that will actually reach people on a human level. Okay, we're running out of time, but there's a hand at the back there. Okay, does anybody want to pick that up? To what, how, are broadcasters paying attention to the basics? Is that, yeah? Tabasila? I think it's a very important question you're asking because what, what you're asking us is how much are we prepared to kind of stick with the old way of doing things and kind of evolve at the same time? It's a very difficult and, and a complex um, question. And in essence, I don't know if there's a simple answer to it. I, I can tell you now, the biggest thing for me is understanding that I personally am very much thinking in terms of the old way of doing radio, but I have to surround myself with people who think slightly differently from me. And I've generally always been a purist in terms of what goes on the radio, but the world is shifting differently. So if I'm managing a radio station, I've got to know that I'm surrounded by people who understand not just the radio, but a lot more than, than that. So I think it's an important question. I mean, one of the things we're struggling with is the number of requests from clients who are asking for branded content. Now, for an independent radio station, which thrives on its editorial integrity and all of that, it's a very difficult ask. We're getting these requests all the time. And we have to keep finding ways of satisfying the client needs and giving them what they're looking for, but in slightly different ways. That does require investing a little bit more in terms of resources. It does mean understanding that the, the programming department is no longer just producers and presenters. It's videographers. It's social media people. It's all of those people who can help you think differently about how to deliver uh, what you advertise as well. I didn't quite follow. I think maybe we can take that discussion further over tea, if that's okay. Um, I, I do want to kind of bring this discussion more or less to a close. Um, I did want to just touch on the f uh, public broadcasting thing quite quickly, because we are um, against time. Question to Helen. The BBC gets a lot of flack. I mean, it may, sitting here in Johannesburg, we think everybody loves the BBC. Everyone they don't. outside the UK loves the BBC. Everybody outside <laughs> the BBC, that's more like it. I mean, I just want to ask you about one criticism, and that is that the BBC is just too big for its boots. I mean, I remember, I think it was George Osborne who accused the BBC of having imperial ambitions. And there's that constant tension between commercial players who feel that the BBC is taking too much space. There was a row about recipes recently. How do you, how do you manage that? 
well, space you have to, between you, you yeah, have to, first your mandate all, and the commercial The BBC prisons. was a monopoly and for a long time was very big. Relative to its own commercial competitors, even in the UK, it is middling-sized. Relative to Google, YouTube, Apple, all Microsoft, the really big definers of our future, we are really small. And that's the way you have to understand this world. The media world is a global world, whether you like it or not. And the BBC is not too big in that. George Osborne was making that comment, almost certainly having talked to many newspaper editors, who, because of structural changes in journalism, are suffering greatly, both in the UK, where there is the BBC, and in the US, where there is no significant public service broadcaster. So it's a kind of faux argument. But you always have to be aware of your impact on the market. We are a market intervention. We have to be very responsible about that. So there are things we do not do. So we don't do listings, for example, online or on air, because that's such a staple of more, you know, more newspaper and traditional medium. We try, and I'll talk a little bit about this in radio, we, we have an obligation to be distinctive. So we play a far broader range of music than commercial radio plays. Because to talk to your point about boring radio, lots of people like what you and I might call boring radio. So commercial radio in the UK, which has got <coughs> about 50% of the share with us having the other 50%, plays a much narrower range of music. And people like it. There are moods and times in your life when actually the repetition and the habit is what you want. And innovation is what you don't want, actually. So we have to be aware that, again, because everybody in this room loves radio and the innovation and the creativity of its potential, there are audiences who, at particular moments of the day or particular moods, want something very predictable. And that's just as honorable and as legitimate as wanting innovation. Sure. Okay, we could take that a lot further. Um, but I think uh, let's leave it at that for the minute. I do have to ask Luba. SABC is in a bad spot. Oh, poor SABC. I mean, how do you... I mean, what, is ha what the hell is happening? <laughs> what is your question? <laughs> <laughs> Just tell us the truth. Tell us what is going on at the SABC. We hear there's no crisis, okay? Then what is it? Look, I'll confine myself with... Um, what I do best, and that is to manage the three commercial radio stations. And what we are doing uh, uh, as, uh, as a radio, uh, contrary to popular belief, contrary to what is uh, being reported, um, has nothing to do with uh, the politics of business. So what we are doing is to make sure that we deliver uh, radio to the people 24-7, and of course, I'm sure that um, none of you in this um, room will ever claim that there was ever a time when they missed listening to news on top of the hour. None of you will ever claim that there was a time when they did not get an opportunity to listen to that favorite uh, program that um, they expect to get um, coming out of the speaker. I mean, you manage the commercial, uh, public commercial portfolio. How's the 90% decision impacted on audiences? What how did you manage the transition? Because from what I understand, the decision was made and you had like 12 hours to implement it. No. Um, the truth about 90% um, um, uh, local music is that, again, contrary to how it was reported, let me um, clarify and say that 
our um, PBS radio stations were playing nearly in this space. There are stations that were already playing 80% of South African music, some playing um, 75%, some 65%, and so on. And on average, when you look at PBS radio stations, they were playing around 60-75% of local uh, music. So they just added about 30%, 25% to make it 90%. Now with um, uh, commercial radio stations, of course it was um, a serious uh, leap from, from, from the 35% and some radio stations were playing 40% like Metro FM. But even with Metro FM um, and 5FM of course, when you look at our playlist, um, let, me, let me talk particularly uh, about Metro FM. We were largely playing South African music during the week, Monday to Friday. And it was only during Saturdays and Sundays that we were playing more of international music. So the perception was that, you know, we, because of Sundays, and I know that um, our friends next door are capitalizing on, um, on our decision, um, we, we believe that we're South Africans before we become any other thing. And this uh, phenomenon is not only unique to South Africa. Those of you who are well-traveled, um, when I was in Britain and when I was in America, you go there, you listen to the radio, you watch TV, and there's zilch. There's nothing about South Africa. So this phenomenon is not new to us. It is about decolonizing the colonized minds. So um, um, it is something that all in one must embrace. But unfortunately, um, you know, when it is met with um, some kind of criticism from I don't know where, um, that criticism overshadows the reality that we're living with um, in South Africa. Um, I've never seen any of the international musicians. And let me tell you, let me reveal this to you. These musicians that we, you want to protect, the international musicians, they also undermine us. Very recently, without mentioning names, there was one international music who came to South Africa who refused to even do interviews with you, the radio stations in South Africa. There was one international musician who said, um, you know, uh, if you want to do interviews with them, you must send them questions uh, phone them, they will record the answers and send the, the clips that you can use to, to do your, your, your programs. And you say, but these guys undermine us. Why then don't we emancipate ourselves and release ourselves from the shackles of this um, unfortunate situation and begin to value ourselves? And of course, with time, with all in one supporting us, with people believing that they are South Africans before they become any other thing, this is going to be a victorious um, uh, f phenomenon. We'll all look back in jubilation. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, well responded, I think. I'd, I mean, this is a topic that we'll come back to later this morning, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. I'm guessing that you're relieved you don't have Lotus in your portfolio. Um, <laughs> But um, that's uh, another issue. So just in conclusion, thank you very much. But let me just quickly ask you where your 10 million are going. And then we'll call it, call it, call it an end of this. So you're staying with podcasts?
Okay, Luba, where's your 10 million going? People. Into people? Yes. To just say a little bit more about that? Training. Staff? Yes, staff. Training. Um, you can put all these sorts of technological inventions um, okay. in the room, but they're not going to operate themselves. So you need to have uh, people who um, clued up, who will know which buttons to okay. touch um, in order to make it happen. Okay. Daryl, where's your 10 million going? I would surround myself with people who have the rigors of journalism, who can work across multiple platforms, and who are willing to get behind the mic and tap into human emotions. Okay. Helen? I'm going to be boring and say converge technology in mobiles, by which you will be able to get your radio either on FM, DAB or IP effortlessly without you having to do anything. Because if radio is habitual and mobile phones are both the present and the future, radio has to be there in the most easily accessible way. Because without that, all the great content in the world won't get heard. Okay, great. So two votes for people, two votes for technology. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Okay, thanks very much. I think that's been a really interesting discussion. I want to thank the panelists and the audience for participating. Uh, let's give them a round of applause. <laughs>